Yeah, man. Let's kill that bass head. Alright, let's do this. I'm on the air, we on the air, we got this pockets flow. It's me and Tony on the mics, we gotta let you know. Of current events, little gaming, sprinkling some entertainment. We stay humble, but our mom still thinks we're famous. Turn up the bass and baby, maybe let that magic flow. Our spoken word is all the things you really wanna know. Having a good time on the show, T Bows and Maddie G. Tune in and hit subscribe and join us on the FAP. Welcome everyone to the Freaking Awesome Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bose. Maddie G's away today, but you're in for an extra special treat. Today I have a returning guest taking the co-host seat. She's uh, much of a, a ray of sunshine and a sparkling personality. Uh, everyone, please give a warm welcome to Maxim model, Sherry Nelson. Sherry, thanks for coming back today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Today is going to be a pretty amazing show. It is, and you have picked the best day to be a co-host here on the show. Our special guest is a legend in both the rock and roll and film industry. He's appeared in countless feature films and television shows and sold over 7 million albums as a writer and an artist. Still rocking the scene and soothing your ears over the airwaves of the Sirius XM radio uh, he has his own show that's seven days a week. Ladies and gentlemen, perhaps one of the most interesting men in the world, Michael DeBar. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. You made me think of that guy you know, with the beer, you know, the white bearded guy, the most interesting guy in the world. He was looked at about as interesting as my granddad. Remember him? <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's no longer around. So you can take that position and really oh, rock it. Oh, I don't want that position. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I quit drugs and alcohol years ago. There's this old piece of drinking beer. And, and, you know, the United States of America decided he's the most interesting man in the world. Well, God bless him. I Let me think. Who do you think is the interesting? Sher Sherry, who is the most interesting man in the world to you? You! Like I said, oh my goodness. That is I correct. That's the right that's the right answer. That's, <laughs> that's right. about fishing for compliments. Right. Uh, but you are gorgeous. <laughs> I was looking at photos of you. You are stunning, brunette, gorgeous girl. I'm so happy to be able to um, you know, talk to and just envisage what you're doing right now. Why thank you, Michael. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean Sherry, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, so how great am I? Tell me how great I am. I'm interesting and I'm in the movies. I've done three porno movies which weren't successful, strangely. And I didn't even know. Yeah, Ms. Michael, should we start oh, yeah. back seven hundred and thirty four years ago? Oh, you've seen the documentary. That's so sweet. Yes, it's all, it's all true, you know. I, I figured, okay, so when I was approached by Josh Weinstein, who's the director of, of this thing, of this my life of, uh, of, of exploration and experimentation, um, I, I was working on a TV show, and he was a writer-producer of the, of the show, and, and he came over to me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a, a real fan of yours, and your music and your balancing act of, you know, acting and music. And uh, I'd love to do a documentary on you. And, and, you know, if somebody comes up to you and says that automatically, being the narcissist that I am, I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely not. No, I don't want you anywhere near me. <laughs> and so he's a spectacular guy. And But the thing about it is that I think you guys and your listeners will find interesting is, is that, as egoic as I am, I didn't look at a frame of that movie uh, and for years. I and mean, it took him years to make it because he had to, you know, find the stuff from my past when I was a kid in England and uh, my parental situation, you know, the fact that I didn't have parents. And he did all of the research and an amazing job, a skilled job that just, you know, really blew my mind. And all I did was weep, you know, after I saw it because it was just so emotional. And that's what people, I think, are enjoying about it is, is because, you know, I did have been through the mill, several mills, uh, several million dollars also. But the, the vibe is, is that, you know, I did survive this stuff. And I think that that's a really important thing to grab hold of today.
because we are faced with such limitations in such a difficult world. And and my world has been gorgeous and, you know, terrifying. And I think, you know, right now we must concentrate on the gorgeous part and not be terrified, mm-hmm. but be loving of each other, embrace each other. That is the only weapons we have. Well, uh, Michael, it is the most watched rockumentary, and I think it'll probably go down in history as probably number one for years and years to come, because the first time I watched it, it was delightful. And like you said, it's a wonderful form of escapement for what is going on in the world right now. You know, like I feel that we're on home confinement and things like that. But then I watched it again, and there's so much more in it. And I highly recommend anybody that's listening Please go and watch this because uh, Michael DeBars is still as handsome as ever with that, you know, cut jawline that you have. And there's humor, <laughs> there's insightful um, lessons to be learned. And it, it truly is an amazing uh, documentary and, and it's well done. And I, I applaud you and I'm, I'm you, you, it's a gift. It really is a gift for all of us. Well, that's such a sweet thing to say, and I'm very, very happy that you feel that way. I believe it's on Google Play in Canada. Um, you, you can access it. Who do you want me to be? Is the title of the movie, and you know, it just, it's just a life lived rock and roll music. I never, I never really saw a distinction between acting or music. You know, usually I'm asked that question, which do you prefer? It's an absurd question because you know I'm an artist and I want to express myself in whatever. You know, it would be whether it would be in a Shakespearean play or, you know, singing a song with Jimmy Page. I mean, it's to me, it's just a, a artistic self-expression, and I think that's a pretty healthy way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and never ever did I ever get hold of that star, had that star that I wanted, because every star there's a superstar, for every superstar there's a mega star. It's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it all means nothing to me whatsoever. Well, the only thing that means anything to me is the truth. Mm-hmm. And that movie tells you the fucking truth. What really happened to me, which was horrific in the, as a child. You know, I, I um, you know, was really, I was abused. I was this, I was that. And I just kept going, man. I just kept going. And the other day I realized that everybody in that movie, Steve Jones from The Pistols, Gabriel Byrne, John Taylor from Duran, you know, Stephen Benzan, these are amazing people. And I realized that, and Don Johnson, I realized that those guys and, and my wives, all I trusted them. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have. That's all we have. I never trusted the mother and father because I didn't have them. So therefore, they became some kind of surrogate parent in a way, mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's very important to have that in your life and not have to deal with it all on your own. So, which is what I did for years, you know, living on my charm and my, my you know, <laughs> my <laughs> singing abilities and my acting abilities. And, and, and it's just a hustle. Until I realized, wait a minute. And then when I quit heroin and coke and all that in 81, you know, I was ready. And then I got the gig at Live Aid, you know, a few years later. Um, And I I really, I was ready for it all to happen to me again. You know, yet another chapter, but I was sober. And that was big. It was a real huge understanding and breakthrough for me. You know, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, that comes up and, and with your past. Now, I, I it's funny because Sharon and I were mentioning before the show that uh, unfortunately, uh, I didn't get a chance to to watch the documentary because every time I rented it, bought it or anything, it says, oh, you're in Canada. You can't watch this. And and I kept trying to go bounce from medium to medium to say, well, come on, there's got to be someone up here in Canada that's streaming it. And, and the one thing I didn't think of, of course, was Google Play, because I mean, generally, that's just where I listen to music from not I don't actually think of them as a as a movie medium. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when you mention, um, how old are you? I'm uh, my I'm 44. Uh, you're an old man. <laughs> it's true. You know, I've, I've been through that whole uh, rise and in, 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 uh, well, I guess continue rising with the with technology. So it's so interesting that you, the youngins really know, you know, mm-hmm. the, the youngins have all found that the movie uh, Google Play, my dear boy, Google, Google Play, Play yeah. is where we are. And like I said, it's funny because I, I use them for, for music. I, I actually don't often use uh, Spotify and uh, I've just always had Google Play because it works great because I've got my whole home automated and I can just say, hey, Google, put this on. 
but I've never actually thought about it from the uh, from the movie. For the times they are changing. <laughs> they are always always changing. Um, I, I did want to yeah, mention. Good. I did want to mention with um, you know uh, your history and and uh, drug addiction and everything. Like you you rode through so much of of the 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 music. Uh, influencing generations that uh, you know it's it's amazing because there were so many other people uh, in in the same uh, series that you were and see the same boats of, of musical generation and, and the drug and the rock and roll history that you know you got out you survived you surpassed so many of them um, and and you know it's, it's it's so amazing because you know when we bring up um, you know all the time that you were playing with the uh, Silverhead uh, how people would compare it to you know like a an even more rock or, or version of the stones. And, um, you know, like here's, here's another group of guys that so heavy into that drug scene that, um, mm. you know, you know, well, it was a deeper guy, you know, it was uh, the late sixties, early seventies. What happened to me was I did a movie called to sell with love when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I was introduced to a, you know, uh, to sell with love it was a huge movie. Therefore, we yes. had access to anything we wanted that cast. You know, we could go into the clubs. I saw the animals, the stones, the yardbirds, you name it. Um, all of the great precedent-setting bands. And is introduced to hashish. Hashish was the drug of choice, which, of course, puts you in an opiated state. So I lived a dream from the, uh, 16 onwards. Wow. You know, I, I wasn't on this world for yeah. years. And I never had to look after myself or carry money or, you know, I was driven from A to B. Uh, I toured the world. You know, it was all such an, um, an abstraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But drugs were as important to those guys as Keith Richards' earring. <laughs> and I'll explain that. Please, go on. <laughs> it's a symbol. You had to be the most stoned or and the thinnest person in the fucking room. It, it was all a, a philosophical silhouette. Almost like we were a bunch of cartoons that people had, had, had you know, figured out. Okay, so that's the perfect roster. The skinny dude, loaded, hasn't been to sleep in weeks. Endless girls, boys, gorillas, whatever. As long as it had some, you know, pastiche of madness. Mm-hmm. Now, once I got, once I, you know, was deeply into that image and, and stayed that way in Silverhead, um, and, and, but then suddenly cocaine, you know, became psychosis yeah. and you realize you're being owned by the drug <laughs> and you're completely out of control. And that's what messed up that band and the, you know, detective too, Jimmy side, just one century page, same thing, made some great music, but it was under extreme narcotic pressure. Mm-hmm. But once you, once I overcame that. Then I think the uh, new cycle of my life began where I didn't have to prove anything to anybody or, or become something that they wanted me to become or even I wanted to become a rock star. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and once I got that out of the way, it, my life in its, uh, you know, as clean as I could possibly be, you know, I'm obviously a, a dirty, sweet guy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, things became clearer. And I started to trust people, and things changed. You know, the whole myth of rock and roll, unfortunately, if you believe it, you die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on, on from from whose point of view you, you often see that, right? And uh, Well, as... it wasn't Brian Jones' point of view, and it wasn't <laughs> Jimi Hendrix or Janice. You know, I mean, my, my point of view is I want to live forever now. Yes. I wanted to die old with a good-looking corpse. You yeah, know, you understand. Well, you're definitely rocking that one. That's for sure. As, as Sherry mentioned, uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're still still rocking the good looks, and uh, you know, you, even even when I'm I'm listening to your music, I mean, you still have such an amazing, powerful voice. I mean, if you listen to you sing now to to singing, then you sound the same. Like nothing has changed. Not really. Yeah. And I was listening to it, and some somebody did a whole compilation of all of it and um, put it up on Spotify, and I listened to it, and I realized that there's no difference in my in the music, you know, or my voice. There's no difference from 1970 Mm-mm. to 19, wherever we are, 2020. You know, there's no real difference in the music that I'm playing. It's the same thing. 
yep. blues-based rock and roll music. That's all I've ever wanted to play. Uh, mm-hmm. I will continue to do that. Uh, I am, however, writing a musical with a, a, a very talented man, about the Marquis de Sade, okay. which is a hell of a story, you know, and uh, that requires a little more. But music that I love, I've been playing the same since, you know, a long time. For sure, for sure. 50 years. Yeah. 55 decades. I've had record deals in the last five decades. How about that? Mm. That you know. is... So, and now, <laughs> I, I have to ask you, um, I, I was doing a little poking around into the, into the history, and one of the things that kind of jumped out is the the referral to, and I don't, I'm not 100% sure where I had read this, was, was do, do you hold a title? Yes, I do. Um, as Sherry will tell you, um, it's uh, in the Marquis movie when you see it. Yeah, it's right, darling. That's right. It you is. Know, um, she'll fill you in. And yes, I am. I am a marquee, and it's an eight hundred year old title. The documentary starts with my ancestor in battle, okay. and he saves the king of France, and as a result, he was made a marquee. Eight hundred years later, I am the twenty sixth Marquis de Bar. Yes. Wow. I so I it was And it means nothing, by the way. It means absolutely <laughs> nothing to me whatsoever. You know, you it's, know, it's it nice to have that title though, right? I mean you're 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 when they when you look at other um actors and, and musicians when, when knighted by the Queen and it's a sir, uh I mean well, you're a lord. <laughs> yeah, but it's all bullshit. I mean, you know what happened <laughs> was in the sixties when rock and roll came to the you know Mick Jagger would get a better table in a restaurant than uh, you know, Prince Charles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rock and roll aristocracy took over from the aristocracy. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, it means nothing. It's nothing. It's who you are as a person. I could give a shit about anything like that. I think, I think I, you know, the, the main thing I got was an amazing education because I was at one years old. Um, my education was paid for. My father was in jail. But the money um, had already been spent. So I had this incredible education. The only unfortunate thing about it was it was boarding schools, and I never got the opportunity to go to a home because I didn't have a home. So I would stay at the schools uh, while everybody else was on vacation. But what happened was I would read. I would read everything. I went to this gothic, beautiful library in the school grounds, and I read everything for eight years. And then at Michael. 16, I left and... Yes, baby. Uh, sorry. Um, Michael, you had mentioned uh, that when people would ask you as a child about your father, you said he was a man of means. And uh, later on, when you were a child, you must have known that you, you had that title, the Marquis. But you mentioned later on that you had met your father in a pub and you give this really amazing... Um, representation of him entering in a well-tailored um, suit with a young teenage girl. And for anyone who's adopted wondering who their father was, I'm sure everybody puts their that father on a pedestal. So did yeah. did that, um, you know, I, I, I know that you're a man with great charisma on screen. So when you, after that meeting with your father, did you walk away with your head held higher that, yes, I am, you know, um, legitimate or um, did it just give you more spring in your stride because yes this man had presence he is what I hoped for um, I'm not sure if that if I, I'm making any sense that for that. Is question. No you're making complete sense it's a wonderful question I never put him on a pedestal there was only one person on a pedestal and that was me <laughs> if I didn't feel that way I couldn't have survived he meant nothing That's... to me he'd done nothing for me and he meant nothing to me. He was just another person. And this was at a time in my life when I didn't trust a soul, you see, especially him. I agreed to see him because he needed money. Okay. And I gave him money. Mm-hmm. And I was, what, 18? Wow. Um, but I'd been really successful as an actor, you know, and, uh, and I saw this pathetic creature with this young girl uh, with second all falling out of his jacket and, and his beautiful suit was torn at the shoulder and it was a very very interesting and sad moment but i dismissed it immediately and got on with it you know i, I don't let those things obsess me you know my obsessions are artistic more than anything else 
That's autistic, not autistic. Um, but, you know, God bless him. Um, but pedestals? No, hell no. Anything but. Yeah. Yeah, no, because when I, when I saw that portion, I thought, well, you know, as a child, I was almost, I think, your breaking free moment from son to your own individual. Now you're free. That's over. That chapter's yeah. closed and you're off on stage, center stage. I, it was just, it was very important part of the movie at the beginning because to me, that just defined your strength and stamina going forward. Yeah, that's a very, very uh, observational of you. And yes, certainly, in retrospect, in hindsight, it was a huge hurdle that I jumped over because of the guy that I never knew, there he's in front of me, and he's a shadow. Uh, and yet I could see it clearly. And yeah, I, I, I moved on. Um, the interesting thing about it is, and for your listeners, and I hope this is not too difficult uh, to, to hear, but I was a illegitimate until I was 30. When I was 30, I got a, a letter from a lawyer saying, um, uh, Michael, you're now legitimate. Your mother just married your father. Oh, wow. Um, they let her out of the loony bin to marry him and then put her back in the institution. How's that for a couple of tears? You know? And I remember when I got that letter and I looked at it and I said, nobody can legitimize me except me. Yeah. That's what a what a bizarre thing to receive in the mail after that much time. Oh, I've got a lot of bizarre things in the mail, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but that that definitely you wouldn't believe what I've got. <laughs> but uh, you know, but you know, this was a very heavy moment, and uh, um, and I didn't feel I didn't feel anything really. I mean, I I just sort of laughed, and I still do. It's such a Dickensian story. It's mm. like something out of some Charles Dickens, you know, nightmare. But it wasn't. It was just my life, you know. Yeah. And it's all in the movie. You know, it all made me who I am, yeah. you know. And, uh, and and I'm happy with who I am. And, and... and so are all my wives. <laughs> Do you know, um, so you, you have been in uh, a very awkward situation uh, at, at a, such a young age uh, s such that many of our listeners themselves have probably been in and uh, and it's nice to see um, one of those or, or even be able to talk to someone who's a real life success story someone who truly made themselves uh, without you know regard for for what a, a family would would think you know there's many people who were so I, yeah, governed. I, I, it, it, it's a misnomer to say awkward I wasn't in any awkward situations. I was removed from every situation because mm. I would observe. I wouldn't participate in all of those things that happened to me, the, the, the pedophiles, the, um, the, the, you know, the, the producers, the, mm. the people that made movies, the agents, all of, that, all of them, pederastic, all of them. Yeah. And I looked like Julie Christie, you know, at the <laughs> time. So it was a very <laughs> difficult thing but i never looked at it as awkward i just objected and objectified it i never i never sort of fell into it mm -hmm. yeah. i never felt like a victim that's good that's and that's well, very and, very and important Mike, mm -hmm. you're such not the victim because any uh rock star fan or anything we all know who pamela debara is so for you to have yes. been able to take her and make her your wife and mother of your child, yeah. yes, you were a legend early on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was the greatest. And she is the greatest. She's an incredible person, you know, an extraordinary person. Must forgive me, I'm having a studio built on the on the on our property. Hang on one second. Certainly. If you can hear that banging, but um, oh, no. I'm building a studio here because obviously I can't go to the studio, so I'm building one. Um, yeah, Pamela is a goddess, um, and I love her to this day. All of my wives are friends. Um, it, it's an incredible vibe, you know, and in this family, I have the deepest respect for, absolutely. Um, she is an amazing person. Um, in fact, Jagger's daughter, Scarlett, just bought a photograph of Pamela, one of the beautiful pictures of Miss Pamela, to frame for her father to put up in her father's studio, her father. Wow. is Nick Jagger. So, yeah, I would love you know, to see I mean, that. yeah. Yeah, she is deeply respected. 
by the people that are in her books. Mm-hmm. They all love her. Everybody loves Pamela. You know, that's why <laughs> when she began her journey of feminism and showing girls, and I'm sure Sherry knows this perfectly, as being as gorgeous as you are, you are a, a potential victim to a lot of these people. And we know what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened to Pamela was Gloria Steinem, of all people, a feminist writer, um, actually slurred and, and uh, really was very rude about Pamela's past. Pamela's past was doing what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that is called feminism. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, she was experiencing these things, and all of those guys, Jack, Jim Morrison, you name it, Jimmy, all of them love her. And she learned a lot, and she moved on, and she wrote books, and she teaches writing. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, so I was furious at Gloria Steinem when this came out. This is decades ago, but I'll never forget it, calling, uh, you know, Miss P a slut. I, yeah. I just wanted to take her aviator shades and shove them up her ass. You yep. know, it was just very annoying. It's amazing. Of course, I, I, you know, I felt better about it now. I know that she was obviously didn't understand that culture, um, but she should have, and yeah. she didn't, and God bless her. But, you know, Pamela made a lot of young women free. It, it's truly a uh, amazing when you think about point of view. So in, in this particular case, I mean, truly, like, yeah, Pamela was was living her dream. She wanted to do this. She wanted to meet these people. She was infatuated and she, you know, um, she truly paved her way. So for people yeah. to look at it from the other side and be um, so judgmental and and jealous. and really jealous, jealous and yeah. cruel. And it's, am- yeah. it's amazing. I mean, if Mick Jagger went to Gloria Steinem and said, let's come back to the hotel, do you think Gloria Steinem would have gone back to the tel- hotel with Jumping Jack Flash? <laughs> Damn so. right. <laughs> Give yep. me shelter, baby. You know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> now, Painted black, bitch. Painted since, black, bitch. <laughs> since you brought up Mick Jagger, um, is, is it true that you actually had a part in um, Rune 5's move like Jagger? Yes, absolutely. I was one of the dancers because so, Jonas, who is the uh, the most brilliant director, I did a a, a uh, I was working with Rihanna on a video game, and and Jonas Ackland was directing it, and you know it was very complicated. You know these video games, you mm. have to do a lot of work. Oh know, yeah, because there's so many different paths you can go down. You know. Yep. Um, and Rihanna was fantastic, and and he liked me, and he said, "Listen, I'm going to do this thing." Tomorrow night with Adam Levine and Maroon Five, and it's um, you know what's what was the song called? Uh, moves like Jagger. like Jagger. Yeah, moves like moves Jagger. Like Jagger. Yep. I said, would you like to come down and do that? I said, of course, you know, for you. So you know, I'm not a huge Maroon Five fan. Um, I I didn't ever meet the band. They just shot me dancing up and down, you know, on a stage. Yeah. And, uh, with the Union Jack and a top hat, and and. Uh, you paid me a fortune, and the way I went. You know? But um, it, it was it was fun. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, I've been so lucky in so many ways, and I, and I think the most important word here is yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to do it? Yes, I I would like to do that. That would be fun. Um, and I very rarely say no. It's well, it's it's good to be in that position to say yes or no. Like it, it's it, you do things because you freely want to do them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been that way for decades. Yeah. I've never done anything I didn't want to do. And if they pulled up with a dump truck full of money, that that's all good too. Well, it, it, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, is I've lived a life where, you know, when you've done over a hundred hours of American television, mm-hmm. you're on television somewhere all the time, and you get three dollars from Sweden, and it can't, it, you know, it adds up. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you? You know, it's, do you still get what what some um some some actors call mailbox money? Where, where you, you still get those residuals from from replays of episodes of and yeah, of course, amazing, of course. Now, MacGyver's on every day, all day, everywhere. So I but, wanted to know, ask you about Seinfeld. that. So Seinfeld, yeah, UK, up here in Cincinnati, you know, Gilmore Girl, you know, all just favorites. Me. It's on them all. Yes, Roseanne shows, Melrose Place. I mean, you know, imagine. I mean, they've got. And these these shows are shown twenty four seven all over the world, so of course I got to, you know I go to the mailbox 
I always remember Jews being like the the Moriarty to to the original MacGyver's to Richard Dean Anderson's Holmes. Like you yeah. were that that yeah. perfect villain, a great uh, you know unkillable assassin that that just uh, couldn't you know. I mean, I think I remember reading that uh, it was originally supposed to be a single role, but you ended up doing so well with it, and you like you killed it that they just kept having you as that reoccurring main villain. It was interesting because, you know, it's right after the Power Station tour, six months with John and Andy Saylor and mm-hmm. 80,000 screaming topless girls every night. Um, and I, I, you know, this episode came up with Henry Winkler, who I knew was produced MacGyver. A lot of people don't know that. Yep. And uh, so I, I go see Henry and I, I, I Paramount and I'm in a white Rolls Royce. I remember distinctly, I, you know, after the tour, I went mad because it was so fun, it was so crazy. Um, and uh, I arrived on the set in this car with a cigarette, and I drove past the uh, producer's offices, and they took one look at me with the cigarette in the shades and went, there's our guy. You know, and I got it in the parking lot, you know. I mean, I got the roller. But the, and then I did it, and then they got, see me, ABC got all these letters, you know, saying, Who, yes, please. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's see him again, you know, and that was five years, and we did it in Vancouver. And, and well, there you go. I mean, that's right from, from your neck of the woods, Cherry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Love Vancouver. Love Vancouver. Granville, Cherry as well. What's that Sutton Place, that hotel in Granville? You know it? Oh, the Sutton Place Hotel, definitely. Yeah, that's where I stayed for five years. Wow. It's off a great location, right off Robson. It's excellent. Oh yeah, it's great. I loved it. I loved it up there. I really loved it. The weekends were, we had so much fun. It was it was it was great. Murder playing murder, incredible. And then to be asked to do the reboot, spectacular. And uh, we had uh, one of the gentlemen actually who played uh, on on the MacGyver reboot not too too long ago, and uh, and it was kind of interesting because I remember seeing that you had played uh, another character, and I honestly thought you know it'd be great if you actually came back as Murdoch in in the new versions. Like, why not? It'd be a great well, tip of the past. There and... is a Murdoch. There is a Murdoch. Yes, the, the cast of brilliant actor called David Desmelchian. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an interesting story there if you want to hear it. He when they did the reboot. Um, and they introduced this new guy as Murdoch. Fans were really angry, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so it's not Michael Tavares. I, I watched it and I loved him. I thought he was fantastic, and he's now a good friend of mine. I love the guy, David Desmarnacci, brilliant talent. And I tweeted that this guy is fucking awesome. Wow! And eight and CBS saw that tweet. Yeah, and said. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then the next morning, my agent called me and said, okay, so CBS w- would like you to come on the show. So an act of kindness, mm-hmm. you guys out there, an act yeah. of kindness made me, uh, you know, got another part. financially mm-hmm. rewarded yes. and, and very happy. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, just imagine for him to, to be able to get that golden thumbs up from you. I, I mean, just as as an actor who is playing a part that was so well played originally by you. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the, the greatest form of acting compliment. Yeah, he's but he's a really generous guy. I mean, he's, he's uh, extraordinary. He's a family man, uh, two kids, beautiful guy, and uh, he yeah he watched me as a kid, so it was a huge thing for him. You know, uh, when he was a little kid, a little teenage kid, looking at Murdoch, thinking, one day, one day I'll, I'll try and kill Richard Dean Anderson one day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he got to kill Lucas Till instead. Yes. But didn't, of course, succeed. Yeah. Michael, um, I was curious yeah. about uh, what, when you're um, when you're as an actor, do you, um, when you're on stage as the rock star, you were Michael, the rock star. So when you are performing as an actor, are you um, that character or are you Michael holding the machine gun, perhaps? I was just curious what what persona you, you play when you're acting. When they say action, I say the lines. And when they say cut, I go out, have a cappuccino. Because I, I, I wasn't sure it. if it's a great form of escaping 
and becoming a different entity I, or if you just I don't want to escape like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I mean I don't want to escape it, it's not I don't you know I, I get the script I read the lines I do that it's not that complicated I've always, I've always got I don't a... need to escape I just want to you know put save the lines have fun and um, and get on with it you know I, I don't uh, think uh, you know if, look I played a gay guy on Roseanne in the 80s, and mm-hmm. um, my, everybody told me not to do it. And I said, fuck off. This is important. Did mm-hmm. it. As a result, of that, I was asked to speak at all these gay meetings, mm-hmm. these conferences. Right? Can you imagine that? And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Would all assassins out there want me to come to an assassin convention and talk about killing people? I mean, <laughs> you know, acting is bullshit. Yes. You say the words, you point the gun, hopefully you have good cheekbones, and you, you, go, you know, and then you go to lunch. It's interesting. It's not yes, you're very, very convincing. Yes. Um, yeah, because I know that you've said um, you were just, you were the biggest rock, you wanted everyone to believe it. So when you walk in a room, you are the rock star. And, and I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's just a pose. It's for fun. I'm not serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a confidence. You know, yeah. Yes, as you are, I'm sure. You have to be looking like that. Yeah. It's, it's very <laughs> difficult to understand, you know, what stardom is because it's meaningless. We're all stars. Mm. Everybody's a star. Mm-hmm. Andy was wrong. It's not 15 minutes, Andy Warhol. Yep. It's forever. We're all the same. We all share the same secrets. We all shine the same light. If you If you want to live that life, it's yours. Take it. You know, in terms of acting, learn the lines. Don't bump into the furniture. Mm-hmm. That's what Spencer Tracy said about acting. Spencer Tracy, learn your lines and don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> when I generally see you throughout all the years in your different parts, um, especially, uh, I'm a big fan of, of WRKRP in Cincinnati, and, uh, yeah. and, and you were on both versions again uh, also the reboot of, of WKRP weren't you yes horrible, yes. Dreadful. yes um that was a job but when you always walk on I I always got this feeling uh be it whether whether you're doing music or whether you're acting it's it's you like it, it, you you have a part you have a part to play but there seems to be this base ground that it that has always just been you doing this like you've got that. Yes, I think that's, that's true of anybody that really, I mean, if you've got a forceful personality, or even if you're playing somebody innocent, mm-hmm. you know, it's always going to be you. You're going to access your feelings. You know, yes. Humphrey Bogart was Humphrey Bogart, Errol Flynn, you know, whoever it is, Brad Pitt. Is Brad mm-hmm. Pitt? Is Brad Pitt? Yeah. You know, what is he going to do? You know, even if he's doing a comedy, he's still got that. That's who he is. You know, you go see that guy. Tom Cruise, but of course Tom Cruise has played Tom Cruise for four years and nothing else. You know, but, <laughs> yes. so it's not like it's, it's not like Daniel Day Lewis or mm-hmm. something. You know, mm-hmm. where they're completely lost. You see, there's a difference. I'm not saying what I do, everybody does. You know, Daniel Day Lewis will stay in that wheelchair for six months. Mm-hmm. You know, and be that guy, that paraplegic guy. Yeah, I believe it. I yes. presume me. I don't want to do that because I want to go back to the hotel and have a laugh and play yes. guitar. And, talk and you know whatever mm-hmm. zoom <laughs> yes well and, and so many yeah, actors i don't want to be lost in it. i don't <laughs> want to be a paraplegic for six fucking months yes and and so many of those actors that come out that are the, the method actors that really delve into that part i mean you give them a lot of credit that the dedication towards it but this ah, is the, bollocks it's fear is it? I was going to say because I I feel like they put all this dedication into it, but by doing that, they I feel like they end up losing a bit of who they are. Where like I, this comes back in circle to what I was saying, where when you walked in, it was it was you. Like you you can feel that persona that you know uh, again as Sherry had mentioned that confidence of walking in. Uh, it, it just seemed very mm. natural for you. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. I, I didn't keep your shoulders back. <laughs> you know what? I tell you, man, posture is stardom. Mm-hmm. That's true. She'll tell you, right, Cherry? Yep. <laughs> yes. Posture, shoulders back, head up. Here I am. No excuses. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You want me or, or what? 
first impressions are everything, it, yeah. and that's it. Absolutely right. The that's way true. you walk. I was talking to, to a young actor uh, the other day, really talented, and of course not working. Uh, so he said, "So what do you do in these auditions? I mean, do you learn all the lines? Do you do you pick up a ma- imaginary phone? Do you do?" I say, "None of that matters." The only thing that matters is when you open that door and you walk into that room. That moment is the only moment. The lines, the words, the scene mean nothing. It's who you are at that doorway, in that doorway, standing there in front of six, seven, eight people. That moment is key. If you fuck up the scene, it doesn't matter. Because they will see you. You feel that energy. You feel that somebody can do the role. You know, you feel the confidence um, for people to melt into whatever they need. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got nothing to do with the scene itself. And this is what I've learned over the 150 years I've been auditioning. I don't (laughs) audition anymore, but, you know, I spend an awful lot of time auditioning. And I realized early, early on, you walk in there with confidence, they'll book you because they don't want to worry about actors. You know, they don't want to worry, oh, he's too freaky and he's going to be walking around with this, that wooden leg. and this, You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going well, to be you difficult. It's going to be difficult. The other day you posted that, um, you playing that guitar riff. Oh, my goodness. You know, you're looking down, you're not looking at the camera, but yet the confidence the that you have because the talent, the gift, I don't know if you, I wish you could see it from the outsider, but it, it is amazing. Just you go in there, you do it and it's done. And you know, everybody, you know, most people are sheep and we all need somebody to look up to and emulate and aspire to be. And you are that in every group and every domain that you participate. It's wonderful. Well, you're so kind to say it. I mean, but I, you know, I feel like everybody else. I don't feel any different. You know, um, no, I know. I tell you what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a gift. You know, I don't think I don't feel responsible for that. I mean, I just am that. You know, I just got that gene where, you know, I think it was compensation for not having a family. Thank you, thank you, God. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I was given the gene to just like because it really is our fuck it, isn't it? I mean, when it comes down to it, what can you lose? You know, walk. It, you know, you can only win. You know. Yeah. No, definitely. Because like you said back a few moments ago, is you know you you didn't have your father, then you know you you mm-hmm. met him, and then you walked away better than ever because you know it. Like yeah, no, it's you weren't hampered you, by you that. It's your own trail. It's it's great, and we all need to start yeah. doing that rather than following you know what's being told to us. It's it's great. You're it's inspirational. It's interesting because there's, there's nobody there that, you know, I, I am very fond of everybody. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just love people. I can, because even if they're flawed, I love them for their flaws. I mean, I know that I've learned more from the mistakes I've made than any triumphs I've had. Yes. You know, when yeah. I've fallen on my ass for whatever reason, getting up. And standing up again, that is the that is the gift. Mm-hmm. Getting through the mistakes, getting through yeah. the difficulties, you know, seeing the father for what he is, letting go yeah. and just getting on with the moment and being right here right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's kind of work. Don't have the ups. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everything is groovy. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm so happy. And the documentary, wow. What a wonderful feeling it is to be the most watched documentary when you've got all of these, you know, slash and all these people. And I think that story has resonated, you know, and I'm not a, a, a billion dollar rock star or actor. I'm not. I'm a working guy, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, it's a, it's a great gift. Great gift. The love of people, the love of the people is a great gift. Yeah, and like you said, the level of trust and the the people that are a part of your rockumentary um, are so amazing to have them putting you up on their shoulders to talk about you, which um, I, you know, is it, great. And again, I I recommend it to anybody. Please buy that. It it's good for the soul. It's wonderful. 
Well, that's nice. Yeah, they're all great people. They all really care. You know, they're, they're just amazing human beings. And I got lucky, you know, and uh, because a lot of them, I, I looked at, uh, you know, I've been in five or six bands and um, what was it? It was somebody worked it out for me. It, 78% of those musicians are dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, um, and that's what I had mentioned. Part, um, in the rockumentary where you had mentioned, I'm not sure if it was you or a friend of yours, um, had the first Trivial Pursuit game. And you said, and here we're playing yep. this game, and most of the answers are sitting in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Most of the question is sitting on our couch. That's exactly right. That's Bob amazing. Dylan, you know, Warren Beatty, you know, you name it, man. <laughs> the Aussie. Yeah, it was incredible. Friday nights, we used to play uh, Trivia Pursuit with Eddie Begley and a bunch of people, and those people, you know, were extremely famous. So uh, it, we just had a little house. In fact, that house that we lived in in Santa Monica, me and Miss Pamela, our kid Nick, was Don's house before he got Vice. When he got Miami Vice, after 11 pilots that were not picked up, by the way, he got Vice. He went to Miami, and we took the house, and that house became. So when he was on, you know, when he was on um, in between seasons, he would, mm-hmm. you know, come back to his house, and there would be Bob Dylan in the kitchen. So it was, uh, wow. it was pretty amazing, man. You know, that was nice. That was just like a year of like, what is happening? This is so fun. I mean, it was really remarkable. And yeah, literally, the questions of the game were usually sitting in the room. The answers. That's really cool. You know, I often say to people, you know, when I look at a lot of vintage stuff nowadays, I, I'm like, why, why would I want to go out and, and spend a whole bunch of money for things that I can find in my parents' garage? Like, of all my stuff that's just yeah. still sitting around. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, right now, we're, you know, it's, it's, these are trying times because when we can't go anywhere. The quarantine is, uh, you know, as Michelle Obama said the other day, you know, it's, it's giving her low-grade depression, I think she described it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not that person. I, I'm not, I don't get depressed about this. I'm, I'm working very hard on various different things, and I haven't been out of the house, really, since March. I've, I've been around that that same that same thing. You know, it's uh, it's nice to to have a studio close to, uh, you know, adjacent to my house, and uh, you know, I it's it's beautiful for me, I guess, because I I get to talk to wonderful people such as you and Sherry, and uh, you know, life continues for me, uh, norm, uh, and I don't really need to be away. But uh, you know, with with people that are in quarantine, uh, it's really interesting to see the, uh, the 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 large amount of streams that are happening on the Netflix and Amazon, and it's a perfect time for people who haven't seen your your documentary to to jump onto Amazon Prime and check out uh, your movie because it it's uh, going to be amazing. I, it's good to know that it is on Google Play, so now I can go and fully check it out myself. Uh, Sherry was very lucky to have that chance to see it before me now. Well, it's so nice to speak to you both, and thank you so much for allowing me to um, do your show and speak with you, Sherry and Anthony. And um, you know, have the most beautiful day, and make it so. You, <laughs> I would think it would be the best thing that I could say. You as well, Michael. Before you do go, uh, I was just curious. Do you have? Uh, I know there's some charities and stuff that you're working on. Would Would you like to try to pitch those and, and maybe bring some light to some of our our listeners? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, uh, unite the poor. All of the proceeds of Anarchy in the UK went to Unite the Poor, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic. If you guys hashtag Unite the Poor, you'll find that, that this is a humanistic charity, which is not uh, faith-based or anything like it. It's about humanity. It's about feeding the um, unemployment is creating even more poverty. You're going to see even more tent cities, you know, out there that people would know where to live because the rents are not being paid. Um, by the government, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, this is the beginning of a really, really difficult time for America. Yes. And Unite the Poor is a very, very important charity run by a Reverend. Uh, you know, and it, it's very important. There are many other things that I support. Street Arts we created, um, which is um, the young, young homeless people. Street Arts we call it. And okay. Right before the quarantine and COVID. We had a huge concert um, set up with names that I can't tell you because when we can do it, it'll blow your mind. 
mm-hmm. to raise mm-hmm. money for those kids in those tents. Money and awareness, you know, yeah. in the tradition of Live Aid, which was a pretty interesting day. Um, <laughs> you know, so that, that, all of that is very important. What else am I involved in? Well, teachrot.org is a fantastic place where you can actually get musicians. What it is is getting instruments into schools, teachrock.org. Wonderful. Uh, Little Kids Rock. Little Kids Rock is getting instruments. Teachrock.org, if you go to the website, if any of you guys out there are teachers, Steve Van Zandt, who is my mentor in many, many ways, um, has this organization that teaches teachers how to teach music. So if you're dealing with Sam Cooke, for -hmm. instance, or Otis Redding or whatever, you can then talk about civil rights. So the history of music becomes politicized. The fantastic website. Wonderful. Um, it's called teachrock.org. And Little Kids Rock is the ability for you guys to get instruments into schools. Because with our president, who has it's... denied and negated all of that, art. Yes. He's not interested in art. And, and very, we won't go there. And well, it's it's very important nowadays because with uh, the way governments have been, uh, a lot of the cutbacks they're doing. These are the things that do get cut back, and uh, you know, in in. in Encouraging the arts in, in the younger children and younger generations is, is still very, very important. It's something that just cannot go away. Well, it's been proved that if the kids learn music, they're more intelligent and therefore can learn more science. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, a, it is a fact that if you have music in your soul, you are smarter, period. That, yes. that is a scientific fact, you know, yeah. because you're learning and you're expressing yourself, and it's music. Yes. And music is a way, it is a feeling that enables you to be able to learn more deeper yeah. you know and personality to learning it's not just numbers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, anyway they, i gotta go you guys yes i gotta go i gotta a zoom uh zoom away you of can course. imagine what my life is like right now you know <laughs> but um, it's delightful to meet you sherry god bless you you're beautiful Anthony. smart great i've had a great time i hope you have had too thank you very much we have really enjoyed you being on the show for all our listeners out there who are on the road we'll make sure that we put uh, michael up on our guest page uh, on our website as well as the the charities that he can support in case you want to get uh, involved uh, again thank you very much michael uh, we'd love to have you back at some point to circle back around and uh, and see how things are it'd be my pleasure anthony and sherry of course absolutely thank you have a wonderful evening you too take bye. care bye so this is a good time for us to pitch our social media. You could get us on our website. Thefap.ca. On uh, Twitter. Is the Fap 4 You can get us on Instagram. Is the Fap Podcast. Don't forget our Facebook. The Freaking Awesome Podcast. And uh, you can always reach out via email. Thefappodcast at gmail.com. I'm on the air. We on the air. We got this podcast. Ah, not again. Wicked sweet. Eh. <laughs>